Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, let's get into Exodus chapter 33. We've been talking about this for quite a while. And uh, so we've just been going really verse by verse, verse by verse through Exodus chapter 33. If you like that type of expositional uh, preaching, then that's kind of what we're doing, just teaching through this encounter of Moses with the Lord. We love our Bibles here at the Rhodes Church, so if you've got them, get them out, open them up, chapter, no, that's not how we do it. Open them up to Exodus chapter 33. <laughs> Woo! Exodus 33. Sorry, about forgot how I'm supposed to lead you into that. Exodus 33, love the Bible, love the Bible. Bring your Bible, bring your Bible so you can take notes and you can understand what's in them. God doesn't want this to be a spectator sport. He wants it to be something you're digesting and growing in your own relationship with Jesus. So I encourage you to bring your Bible. Exodus 33, verse 12. Everybody ready? It says, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, and that I might find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, Moses said, please show me your glory. Notice that request. Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. In other words, another way you could phrase it, show me more of you. Show me things about you I've never seen before. Moses was not satisfied with his current interaction and knowledge of God. He wanted to see more. He wanted to know more. He wanted to encounter more. It wasn't prideful. It wasn't arrogant. God never corrected him. God never said, how dare you ask for more of me? You ought to be thankful for what you've got. That's not how God works. That's how we work in religion, but God's wanting to drive religion out of us and drive us into relationship, drive us into a pursuit of him that leads us to more of him. He's not withholding himself, not wanting us to know him. He's inviting us into a pursuit that says, I'll show you as much as you want to seek after. Show me your glory. Then he said, the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Get the app, download it, get the messages. You can catch up with us and, uh, and watch those. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And he said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Here's a place by me. You're going to stand on the rock. That rock we talked about represents Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rock. So we're going to be in a place besides God, standing on the rock. The only place that we have where we can stand by God in righteousness is through Jesus Christ. I can't stand in relationship with God outside of standing on the rock, which is Jesus. 
So we've got to understand that standing on the rock gives us stability, but not immunity. Standing on the rock of Jesus, this is important. Standing on the rock of Jesus in relationship with Jesus gives us stability, but not immunity. Do you understand the difference in those words? I'm emphasizing this because I think it's important. Sometimes we get the perception that if I stand in right relationship with God, if I'm in doing everything I'm supposed to do, then everything will go right. And this is what happens. This is why people bail on God. This is why they abandon church, abandon Christianity, abandon relationship with Jesus, because something happens that goes against their preferences, or something doesn't happen that they think is what should happen, and then we begin to bail, because we've got this misconception in our mind that if I'm truly doing everything I'm supposed to do, then everything will go swell. But I want to tell us that biblically, that's not the gospel. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said these words, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Notice the condition. Hears these words and, and does them. Hearing them is not enough. Hearing this sermon is not enough. Mount Carmel, Carlinville, hearing the words of God is not enough. It's about do we do them. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, what does he say? I will liken them to a wise man or wise woman. So what does a wise man or woman do? They hear the sayings of the Lord and they do them. If a wise person hears the words of the Lord and does them, what is a person who hears the word of the Lord but doesn't do them? We'll at least say they're not wise. They're not wise. I like him to a wise man who built his house on the what? On the, on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the word. So he said, build your house. What does house represent? House represents your life. Represents your life. Who builds your house, your life on the rock, on the word of God. Here's what a wise person who builds their house on a rock looks like. Oh, a wise person who builds their house on a rock? That must mean they have a great life with no problems. Verse 25, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Wait a minute. I thought I was a wise person because I heard the word of God and I did it. So therefore, surely that means there's not going to be any rain descending on me. There's not going to be floods. There's not going to be wind blowing and beating on my house. But that's not what he said. A wise person who hears the word of the Lord and does them should expect, should expect that the rain is going to come. Floods are going to come. The wind is going to blow and beat against your house. Well, thank you for that encouragement, Jeff. What does it mean? The Bible says that the rains on the just and the unjust alike. That means we're going to deal with adversity in this, in this world. But look at what happens. The wise person that built their house on the rock, when the rain come, the floods came, the winds come, and beat on that house, it did not what? It did not, it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. So what Jesus is telling us, he's not telling us the promise that if you'll hear my sayings and you'll do them, and be standing on the rock and stand on Jesus, you will have no problems. No, what he will tell you, if you will stand on the rock, when those things come, you will not fall. It may beat on you a little bit. 
It may get flooded a little bit. It may have, you may have some difficulties. But when it comes, we will not fall. Why? Because I'm standing on the rock. I'm standing on the word. It doesn't mean no wind's coming. Wind's coming. Wind's going to beat against me. But I'm standing firm on the rock of the word of God. So he says, stand on this rock. Verse 22. This is the verse I'm going to land on today. That wasn't the message for today, but I thought it sounded good. Verse 22. So it shall be. Again, what's the picture? God and Moses having this conversation. Moses said, show me your glory. And God says, okay, um, stand on this rock. You can't see my face. He says, verse 22, so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. A lot of things to unpack there. I thought I was going to finish this today, but... Obviously, that's not going to happen, but that's okay. We can finish it in November. <laughs> verse, 20, <laughs> verse 22 is what I want to, I want to go in this first part. So it shall be while my glory passes by. So God tells Moses, he said, all right, I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock and my glory is going to pass by you, pass by you. What does glory mean? Remember from two weeks ago, remember last week we had the power outage. That was amazing. I just want to take a moment and just thank everybody. I want to thank Pastors Kevin in Mount Carmel, Pastors BJ in Carlinville. The power went out, so immediately they had to, on the prompt, preach in both of their services. No heads up, no leading. They just had to get a phone call saying, hey, power's out in North City, you're up. So I want to say thank you, Pastors Kevin, Pastor BJ. Let's give it up for them. Fantastic job. Love you guys. Love you, love you. So power goes out here. We don't have service in a normal way. We have to go out in the cafe for you. If you weren't here last week, we got 250 people. And I want to thank our production team and our ushers and our, our leaders who came to me after the first service. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do for a second service? We got no kids ministry. We got no lights, no air conditioning. Surely, Lord, are we going to just not have it? And they came up to me and said, all right, we've got chairs ready to fold, uh, to unfold. We've got chairs ready to set up in the cafe. We'll move service right there. We've got the natural light come through the glass doors. They began to tell me what we could do, not what we couldn't do. That's what I love. I love it when leaders come, bring solutions. They're not coming saying, listen, there's no air conditioning. We better cancel. We can't have all them kids in there making noise. They came saying, here's how we can do it. Here's how we can make it happen. So anyway, last week I didn't preach that message. So this one, pass me by. That's where I was. Put him in the rock. Said, I'm going to pass you by. The glory. That's where I was. Glory. My glory is going to pass you by. What did we say glory was? Glory is weight. Heavy. You take canal, you know what glory is. Weight. It's a heaviness. When it talks about God, when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about, think of a scale like the excessiveness, the abundance, the, the magnificent splendor of God. He is heavy. He's abundant. He's vastly rich in everything that he is. So God was saying, Moses, you stay right there. I'm going to Cause everything that I am, the vast richness of who I am, I'm going to pass by you. 
my majestic splendor, everything that makes me up who I am, I'm going to, my honor, my majesty, all of that, I'm going, to, I'm going to cause it to pass by you. Here's what jumped out at me is the word pass by. The word pass by means to travel through or across, to pass over, to move on to somewhere else. So he said, Moses, everything of who I am, God of the universe, you're going to get to see it, a glimpse of it. It's going to be just my back. It's not going to be my face. But you get to see it, but it's going to pass by. In other words, it's going to go from here to somewhere else. And I thought about how many times in the Old Testament did the presence of God, the Spirit of God, come upon people temporarily, but then it would move on. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon a prophet, came upon Saul, and he prophesied, come upon Solomon, and he'd do these miraculous things, come upon different people, the Holy Spirit would come upon them, something amazing would happen, and then it would lift. Come upon them, they part the Red Sea, and then it would lift. But in the New Testament, something was different. He wanted to go from the Old Testament where Moses would come into the presence of God and he would come out of the presence of God and his face would be glowing so bright that it would just shine. And then he would, it would begin to pass away and he'd have a veil put on and all of that. Let me read it to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to contrast the passing by versus something else. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 3. But if the ministry of death, talking about the Ten Commandments, written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Mark that. So the glory of God that came on Moses when he would get in these counters with God, be in the presence of God, as long as he was in the presence of God, the glory of God would be on it. But when he would leave the presence of God, that glory would start to pass away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness through Jesus exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. What does that mean to you and I? Moses could only go into the presence of God temporarily. And when he would leave, that glory of God's presence would begin to pass away. But in the New Testament, I don't want to just have a moment where we get to be in the presence of God that it pass away. He said, I want it to remain with you. It goes from geographically speaking, like for us, we could say, when I come into church, I just feel the presence of God. Oh, just worship, and I feel God, the power of God's here, and, and it's wonderful, it's good, but then if I leave by Tuesday, I don't feel the presence of God, then we've got an Old Testament geographical perspective of the presence of God. New Testament perspective and promise is that he wants the Spirit of God to come upon us and remain. John chapter 1, let me show you this. John the Baptist was writing here and he says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So he says, tells John the Baptist, God speaks to him, says, hey, whenever you see the Spirit of God descending upon someone and remaining, mark him, that's the Son of God. 
So when Jesus comes into the earth and he comes up out of the water and water baptism like we had this morning, the Bible says the Holy Spirit like a dove came upon him and he did not leave. He remained with him. This is the power of the New Testament example. So here's the question I want to ask you that we get into today. We need to ask ourselves, Moses, the glory of God's going to pass you by. Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you and remain, remain with you. Here's the question. Are we satisfied with a passing by relationship with God? Something only you can decide for yourself. Are you satisfied with a passing by? I just need a glimpse. I just want a little touch. Maybe just a quick devotion in the morning. Maybe 15 minutes spend with God. Maybe, maybe a quick touch when we're in a bind. Lord, hey, I'm, I'm desperate. I'm in a bind. I need you to touch me. I just need, a, I need some help. I need to make a decision. I know I don't ever ask you much. I don't ever pray. I don't ever talk to you. But right now, I really need to know what to do. Give me a passing by answer. Maybe it's just for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. Hey, I just come to church and give God a, a solid hour and a half. Just a good passing by, my church fix in, and then I won't talk to God, won't read my Bible, won't pray, won't listen to any worship music all the next six days. That's not Christianity. That's religion. They're saying, I'm satisfied with a passing by presence of God. Folks, I'm telling you, God doesn't want us to be satisfied with passing by. He wants to remain with you everywhere you go. He wants to remain with you at your workplace, wants to remain with you at school, remain with you in the store, wherever he wants to remain. Let me give you some examples of this, that we don't want him to be a passing by God. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 18, said he lifted his eyes in verse 2, said he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. What's this story? Three angels were coming. This is before they're getting ready to come and, and, and destroy in Sodom and Gomorrah and all of these things getting ready to take place. And they come, and this is right before Sarah gets the promise that she's going to be a mother. And so they come to the list, and Abraham stops them, and he runs out, and he set, falls on the ground. He says, do not pass on by your servant. Do not pass them by. Don't go past me. Abraham was saying, hey, hey, stop right here. Do not pass me by. I've picked up a theme. I've read the Bible. I've read it through several times. I'm, I don't know everything about the Bible by any stretch of the imagination, but I've picked up on a common theme with God. A common theme that I've seen throughout the scriptures, I've seen in my own life, that God doesn't mind when people stop him. God doesn't mind when people grab hold of him. God does not mind when people in desperation reach out and say, do not pass me by. He actually kind of digs it. <laughs> but in our religious circles, we don't like that. We think that's rude and obnoxious, overbearing, excessive. Just calm down. Don't be in church all making a ruckus and making the rest of us feel uncomfortable. We sang a song, Tear Down the Walls 
of all my religion. We're going to take a shot at it. In Luke chapter 18, I want to go to the story. I like this story. This story challenges me. I like to be challenged. It's good for me. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus is traveling. I'm going to start reading in verse 35. Remember, don't pass me by. Then it happened, as Jesus was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man, remember the word blind, sat by the road begging and hearing a multitude passing by, multitude being a bunch of people. He asked what it meant. In other words, what is all the ruckus? I hear a bunch of people walking by. Obviously, he can't see them. But all these people are passing by. I'm going to take the position of the man. I'm, I'm kneeling. I don't know if he was kneeling. It doesn't say he was kneeling. It just says he was blind. I'm just going to kneel because it's my story and I'm making it up as I go. <laughs> so so he's, he's sitting there and he hears the multitude passing by and he asks somebody by him. Remember, he's blind. He can't see. He says, what's, what's going on? What's all the commotion about? And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was, next two words, what was he doing? Passing by. Jesus of Nazareth was doing what? Passing by. Was he there to see the blind man? No. Was he intentionally coming to see and visit the blind man? No. He was doing what? He was passing by. So they told the blind man who's begging Hey, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. That's what all the commotion about. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, so what does he do? Two options here. I'm going to give you the religious option first. Religious option would be, this is what we've been taught many times, is the person you say, who is it? Jesus of Nazareth? Okay, all right. Everybody that's in need around me, or maybe I'm sitting with my other blind friends, we're begging. We're, we're begging together. All right, everybody, let's be quiet, and let's wait and see. If Jesus wants to stop by, he will. Shh, keep it down. Keep it down. If it's his will to stop and see us, he will. And if not, then he'll keep going. Is that what he said? Who's, who's it coming? It's Jesus of Nazareth. All right, everybody, let's just wait and see what he wants to do. Let's not draw attention to ourselves. I don't want to mess up what he has planned. <laughs> I, I don't want to get in the way of what his agenda is. He's passing by. I hear his voice getting fainter and fainter. My senses are heightened for hearing, and I can tell he's passing by. He's already moved from here to there, and evidently he doesn't want to touch us today, maybe another day. Is this what he did? Who is it? Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus of Nazareth passing by? Okay, all right. Jesus! Son of David! Have mercy on me! Jesus! Son of David! Have mercy on me! 
He didn't say us. He said, Jesus, I need you. Have mercy on me. Don't pass me by. Now what happens when he does that? When he does that? He cried out. And then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. Listen here. Shh, shh. Keep it down. You're all you're yelling and demanding of Jesus and asking for have mercy. There's other people that have needs. It's not all about you. So don't come into church all yelling and hollering and worshiping and making a show of yourself. Pipe it down. None of us want to see all of your whatever and hear you shouting and saying, have mercy on me. I've got my own needs. You don't see me shouting. What's going on? Why are these people mad at him? Could be a number of things. I'll give you one. Inside, they wanted to yell too. They want the same touch. The fear and pride has them in such bondage that they're the ones standing there. Please come by, Jesus. But if you don't, I understand. They get this spiritual pride, and, and it's not their fault. Most of the time, it's because we're taught that. We're taught erroneously that we should, ne- we should never cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. We think I'm just, hey, if it happens, if it happens, if it doesn't, it doesn't. But look at Jesus' response. When he cried out, the people said, hey, 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 shh. You don't see me yelling, making a fuss. So what does he do like any good, obedient person? Okay, I'll pipe it down. No, the Bible says he cried out all the more. What'd you say? Be quiet, be quiet. Okay, yeah, got it, thank you. Jesus! Son of David! Right now he's blind. He doesn't know where where Jesus is. So he starts scattering it like birdshot. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. I don't know where you are, but I want you to hear me. I don't know where you are right now in my life, but I want you to hear me cry out to you. I can't see you, but I'm going to cry out to you all the more. So surely Jesus is offended by this. Surely Jesus said, shut that guy up. Surely, surely that was his response, right? So what is verse 40, what 40 was Jesus do? So Jesus stood still. Wait a minute, what stood still? What does that mean? That he wasn't standing still. So what was he doing? He was passing by. He was walking. But the guy yelled, not once, but all the more. They told him to, hey, we're a little more dignified in the house of God. Be careful how dignified you get in the house of God that you're never, never humble enough to cry out to God. I don't want to be in a house where we can't cry out to God. I don't want to be in a position where I can't, can't cry out to God for my own life, for my own children, for my own family. For my, I don't want to be in a place where my pride prevents me from being able to cry out to say, Jesus, I need you. 
because we all need him. The reason some people get mad about it is because they want to cry out. They want that touch. They want God to do something in their life. They want it. They're jealous. They're jealous of the freedom. They're jealous of the liberty. And they, they don't have it themselves. And they, they want to be like that. But, but they just can't seem to do it because pride holds us back. But Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And we come near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Did Jesus correct him? No, he stopped and said, who's, who's the guy yelling? Yeah, yeah, the guy, that guy, man, I hear him, son of David. You, why, why was the guy saying son of David? Why is he saying son of David? Because the blind man was recognizing that he was the Messiah coming. So when he said son of David, he, he didn't say son of Joseph. When he said son of David, he was saying, Messiah, who comes with healing in his wings in Malachi chapter 4. Hey, have mercy on me. He was recognizing who Jesus was to him. He was the son of righteousness. So Jesus hears the son of David yelling and he says, okay, you know what? Hey, bring, bring him here. Bring him here. And notice he doesn't tell the blind man what he's going to do for him. He asked him, what, what do you want? What do you mean what I want? I'm blind. Jesus didn't assume anything. What do you want? Sometimes we just think, well, the Lord knows what I need. I'm telling you, we get taught some unbiblical things and it's time to unlearn them and get to the Bible and say, I need to take scripture to him and say, Lord, this is specifically what your word says and I want to ask you about that. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. I'm going to bring specifics to you, Lord. I'm not bringing generalities. Jesus said, what do you want from me? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. He said, then receive your sight. Your faith has made you whole. And he went on and praised the Lord. He wasn't afraid to not let Jesus pass him by. Let me give you one more example in just a couple pages over Luke 24. One more example. Luke 24. Did you get that one, the blind man? We'll have each of you come up and scream, Jesus, son of David, here in just a moment, one at a time. Luke 24. This is the story of after Jesus' resurrection, right? He's, he's uh, walking on the road to Emmaus with two of his disciples. And as he's walking with them, he begins to ask them about what happened. They're like, dude, you don't know about Jesus you know, dying? Where have you been? You've been in, hiding under a rock. And uh, Jesus begins to teach them, beginning at Moses, and goes through all the prophets and talk to them about Jesus. He begins to prophesy to them out of the Old Testament about Jesus being the Messiah. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated Jesus. He indicated, that word indicated there means acted as if. Acted as if. Then he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with him. I want to look at the word constraint. The word constraint means to force contrary to nature, to compel, to urge, to strongly prevail. Oh, I love that word. To force contrary to nature, this really goes against the religious belief of whatever, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. If he doesn't want to do it, he won't do it. Because look what happens. They're walking with Jesus on the road. He's talking to them about himself. They don't even know they're talking to Jesus, the Messiah. 
And they come to their village, to their exit. And Jesus acted as if he was going to keep on walking and say, see you later. But the Bible says they constrained him. Constrained him. And there's something about this constraining that I think is important, that we will not let Jesus pass us by. That you and I will not let Jesus pass us by anymore. We will say, no, 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 you're not passing me by. I'm going to constrain you. What does that look like? Chris, would you come, my lovely assistant? (laughs) He's like, don't ever call me lovely again. That's all right, man. Come up so Chris is going to be Jesus. We're walking together, and he's, he's explaining the scriptures to me. And they come to my exit, come to my village, and I'm like, i got to stop here. And he acts as if he would keep going. And I'm wanting him to stay, but it says he would have kept going. He's like, you know, waving bye, I'll see you later. But the Bible says they constrained him. Here's what the word constrained looks like, a visual for you. I like visuals. The constraint was not this. The constraint was not, hey, Jesus, you know, I, if you got time, I know you probably don't, I know you're busy and you got a lot going on and you probably don't, you probably don't want to. I mean, my village, there's not much to go here, much, not much to do here. We don't have any restaurants or anything, but, but I, I know you're probably ready to get to on. But how many times we, we apologize over ourselves instead of just asking? I'm addressing pride. If you don't know it, it's like, oh, I want to be nice. Jesus, you probably don't want to stay. But, I, but that's not what constraint looks like. Constrained is not if you got time. Pretty please, you know, maybe. I, if not, that's okay. If not, that's okay. That's not constraint. That's what we do. But it says they constrained him. Constrained is Jesus, come, stay, come up, please, please, please. It's pulling against his nature to keep going. The Bible says he would have kept going, but they constrained him. They pulled him and said, no, you're coming with us. Come and abide with us. Stay with us, Jesus. Why did he stay with him? Thank you, buddy. Man, you're so good. No prep work at all. He's just a natural actor. Why, why, did, they, why did he stay with him? Why did he abide? Why did he remain with him? It wasn't because he chose to without their constraining. They pulled on him. They said, Jesus, no, no, please come. Come, come, come. Stay with us. This is what it looks like to not let the Lord pass you by. And too many times in our religious piety, we want to pray with prayers like, well, Lord, if you want to do it, you will. If you don't, that's okay with me. I love you anyway. I don't need you to do anything for me to love you. That sounds really spiritual. That sounds really good. I've heard that a lot. I used to say it. I used to pray because that's how I was taught to pray. Just whatever the will of God is. And you don't need him to do anything for you to love him. All those people that are wanting things from God, well, we, don't, we aren't like that. We don't need anything from God. We're just thankful. We're just thankful for what we have. I'm telling you, we're leaving stuff on the table Because God's asking for someone to constrain him here. Pull me in. The Bible says that they went on and they ate with Jesus. And when he was breaking the bread, it says their eyes were opened and they knew him. They, it was like when Jesus blessed the bread and broke it, all of a sudden they were like, it's Jesus. And all of a sudden he vanished. They saw something in him they would not have seen. 
Help me, Holy Spirit. He expounded the scriptures. They heard the word, and it was all good. But when they constrained him to abide, he opened their eyes to see something they never would have seen before. This is the difference in just sitting in church and hearing sermons. There has to be a pull in my life for more. There has to be a, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, I'm just not going to cry out like that. Okay. Nobody says we have to. He will pass right on by. And we will be mad because he didn't do it when he said, you never cried out for me. You never constrained me. Well, I don't think I should have to. What I think I should have to do to protect my pride versus what God tells us to do to be humble are two different things. Oh, we mask it. We won't say we're prideful. We'll think we're spiritual. Well, I usually do. I don't need that. I'm not, if God wants to heal me, that's great. If he doesn't want to heal me, that's okay. That's, that's wonderful. I'm glad you're saved and, and whatever. We don't, we don't have to have it to love him. But there's something about Jesus would have gone further, but they constrained him. There's something about Jesus, son of David, and he stopped, turned, and says, what do you want? Here's the question. Are we going to be a passing by person or are we going to be a constraining person? Um, are we going to be a passing by church or a constraining church? Are we going to be a passing by father or mother or child? Or are we going to be a constraining father or mother or child? Are we going to be a passing by husband or wife? Or are we going to be a constraining? I don't know what area of your life it's going to be, but God's saying, who is going to pull on me? I sense it. I sense God said to Moses, here, you, you get in the rock, I'm going to pass by you. Moses didn't have any choice. Now in the New Testament, these two guys walking on the road, they say, Come, Jesus, stay with us. Stay with us. Abide with us. I know you would like to go further, but no, do not pass me by. Who, when in our life are we going to have this prayer? We say, God, do not pass me by. Do not pass me by. Like, well, Chad, what if I do that and, and, and nothing happens? That's not for me to decide. My, de my decision is to, am I going to constrain him or not? Am I going to have the humility to say, Jesus, son of David? It doesn't mean you have to yell in here. I'm not trying to say everyone now start yelling Jesus, son of David in church. But be careful that we're not the people that told the blind man to shush. Just because we don't want to yell doesn't mean somebody else can just because we don't want to beg, just because we don't want to call out. How many other blind people, how many other people needing a touch from Jesus were around there that he passed by them? I'm going to say there were a few. He passed right by them. And we would say, how dare you, Jesus, pass by them? Because our theological construct is built around whatever he wants to do, he does. And we don't have room for the constraining theological position that when I pull on him, he turns. Jairus comes and worships at Jesus' feet and says, come to my house. 
Come to my house, Jesus. My daughter is dying. Jesus says, all right, let's go to your house. Why did he go to Jairus' house? Because Jairus constrained him on his way. A woman presses through a crowd. Issue of blood, unclean, not supposed to touch anyone. She just gets in there and she's like pressing, pressing through the crowd. Did you hear pressing through the crowd? She gets there and she touches just the hem of his garment. And all of a sudden, whoo, the issue of blood is made clean. And Jesus, on his way to Jairus' house, stops. Who touched me? Disciples like, dude, bro, everybody's touching you. Everybody's touching. We're trying to have crowd control. And now you're stopping. We need to keep it moving, Jesus. Keep it moving, Jesus. If you stop, this crowd's going to get out of control. Someone touched me. I felt something withdrawn from me. I felt someone constrain something out of me. I don't know who it was, but somebody pulled on something. So God's asking us, I think in our life, are we going to be a passerby person? Are we satisfied with a passerby? Are we going to be a constrainer? We don't like to constrain because it hurts our ego. hurts our pride. Would I rather suffer with my pride or take a chance? Jesus. Jesus. He didn't whisper. <clears throat> Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I pray. If he hears me, he hears me. If he doesn't, he did everything he could do to get Jesus' attention. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.